At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Fox Sports Sunday. I am George Reiser, and we are also joined by Mr. Aaron Torres, and um, we are live from the Fox Sports Radio studios, and you guys can make sure that you listen on the iHeartRadio app as well. You can tweet us, at George Reister, and at Aaron underscore Torres. And uh, we will give you guys a chance to weigh in later on on some of these interesting topics. We're talking about 877-996-6369, on Fox. Aaron, man, glad to be back with you, brother. George, it is a pleasure to be here. I know we have a lot to talk about today. Nothing more important, of course, than Daytona. I've been doing all my Daytona homework. I know it's three hours of wall-to-wall coverage. I'm ready for you, my man. <laughs> okay, good, good, I'm good. I'm kidding. I know See, nothing. But... No, no, because me, I do watch Daytona, but to be perfectly honest, I'm like a a last 25 laps kind of guy. <laughs> it's, I, I am. Yeah, I mean, you, you tune into the... You know, the back nine on Sunday at the Masters, and you tune into like the last four laps of Daytona. I'm 100% with you, man. Yeah, it, I I am a rubbing is racing, racing is rubbing kind of kind of guy. So, me uh, too. Yeah, me so too. I am going to, yeah, so I don't even bother. <laughs> I don't even bother with the with the first few few laps while they're trying to figure it all out. No. And, and then 
that's how I choose my who my rooting interest is. The drivers that I actually know, the ones that I want to win. So so yeah. So um yeah, but uh what 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 time does Daytona come on, first thing? I think we're smack dab in the middle of it. I could be mistaken. Okay, cool. Cool. See, see, that's what I know. <laughs> no, I was absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure but, we get you plugged in for these final few. What is there? What fifteen laps to go? Is that right? We're, oh, getting, we're getting to the point, George. It might be. Time. Oh, it's time to tune in. It is time to tune in to the Daytona Five Five Hundred. Um, but but speaking of racing is rubbing, rubbing is racing. Today we had a, I mean, just a. A nightmare of a situation, really, with uh, oh uh, man, no, uh, that well, there's still 15 st- uh, laps to go in stage two. There's still another 82 oh, laps left. There's I'm still sorry. another 82 total. This is why I left. defer to you for all my NASCAR <laughs> coverage, George. Obviously. <laughs> so uh, t- today, the Michigan Wolverines in college basketball were playing against the Wisconsin Badgers, and now. That would normally be a yes. It's a rivalry game. It's a conference game in the Big Ten, but you didn't expect what ended up transpiring at the end of the game. So Michigan is struggling this year by their standards. They are, they are, you know, fourteen and eleven now. They are typically they were expected to be better. I would say. Would you Would you agree with that, Aaron? Yeah, they were preseason. I don't know about definitive top 10, but top 10 to 15. And, of course, as you referenced, George, they were number one seed last year, make the Elite Eight, win the Big Ten regular season title. Uh, so it's there's no doubt it's been a little bit of a disappointment of a season. Yeah, yeah and Wisconsin is overachieving. They're 21-5. and five. They are uh, ranked 15th, you know, headed to the tournament per, per the usual. Um, but uh, here is what the incident – sounded like because i'm not even going to tell you what what happened we will describe it after and here is matt lapay the wisconsin play-by-play guy describing what happened post game you got a dust up right now jawan howard and greg gard were going nose to nose and now we got a problem we got pushing and shoving we got a lot of chirping we got a wrestling match going on and Jacoby Neath being pulled away by Carter Higginbottom. Adam Smith, graduate assistant for the Wisconsin Badgers, pushing off a couple of players. Yeah, there were some punches in there. As it got nasty there in the end, and everybody being separated, you got to be really careful here. Tyler Wall getting guys away. You got to be careful here. Richard, big fella getting out there. He's telling his guys, get off the floor. Good job, right, Richard. Good job, big fella. Yeah, and now now the the part that was not said in there was that Michigan Wolverines head coach Jawan Howard actually open hand hit a different Wisconsin assistant, aside from the guy that he was into it at first. This this guy named Joe Krabenhoft, and that and while there was a skirmish, like there was a lot of guys in there, and it was it was a very very ugly scene. Now, Aaron, you are a big college college basketball guy, so am I. But and we've seen Jawan Howard get into it 
before, but what led up to this was some pressing at the end of the game after the game was already a blowout and they should have just been trying to run time off the clock. There was a lot of other stuff that led to, to this. What was your take on it? So it was, my take was uh, George Reister actually broke this news to me because I went into the shower thinking that this game was over and thinking, let's be honest, there's no way we're talking about a Michigan-Wisconsin game on uh, Fox Sports Radio Sunday with everything going on in the NFL, NBA, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I get out and I get a, a single sentence text from George Reister. Oh, and we'll be talking Juwan Howard. And George, I mean, you probably have the text right in front of you. I said, uh, what about? And then he yeah. sent me the lake. And so, you know, I think the context matters, and I think you gave a bunch of it, is my understanding, and, and not even my understanding, this is what both coaches seem to have a pretty similar uh, sentiment on how it went down, was that uh, Wisconsin was pulling away, the game was essentially over, um, Michigan was still pressing with their starters in trying to force turnovers, Wisconsin call, Wisconsin was about to get a 10-second call, calls a timeout, and then that's really what prompted it in the the, the handshake line was uh, Juwan Howard tried to brush by Greg Gard, Greg Gard grabs him. That is why Juwan Howard was mad at Greg Gard, but then he gets grabbed, and so we have this back and forth that ultimately, to your point, George, led to a moment in time where Juwan Howard is being pulled back, and then he reaches out, and, and I don't think we can call it a punch, but uh, an, an open-hand slap uh, of, a, of a Wisconsin assistant, and I know there's a lot of layers to it, which we're going to spend the next couple hours discussing, but uh, a disappointing day all around, and now uh, there's going to be some tough questions to answer about Juwan Howard. Yeah, and a lot, and I've seen some some people. Oh, Jawan Howard should be fired, and this and this, and we've seen some ugly scenes in college basketball as it relates to sportsmanship, if you will. You know, because people have different ideas about how you should handle games. Should you be pressing? Should you not be pressing? Should like how should you handle it? And so, but as far as Jawan Howard goes. Are you okay with him pressing at the end of the game and trying to force tur- turnovers even when the game is looks to be close to decided? So I think there's a bunch of different layers here, right? And I'm, I'm glad that you framed it in that way because I have no problem with him pressing, but I also don't think you can have no problem when the other team decides to take a timeout. The issue, George, becomes is that I don't think that Juwan Howard was mad at Greg Gard about the timeout. I think he was mad that Greg Gard grabbed him as he tried to walk away, and I think Greg Gard was trying to explain himself as Juwan Howard was walking away. And so there, there's so many different layers to it. I have no problem with Greg Gard calling that timeout once Juwan Howard decides to press. Um, I have no problem with uh, you know with, with that element of it, but then it gets into the touching, it gets into the punch, it gets into that. And so it's weirdly, I think, like a few different conversations within one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, a few different. And, and see, I'm a. It, it's weird b- because I remember when Greg Schiano, uh, that when when he was, I think he was coaching the Buccaneers. That the game would be over and teams would be taking a knee, and he would still have his guys, you know, trying to like go full force on on, on the take a knee when yeah. it's like a two score game or something or even a one score game and i just never I, I thought that was so whack right because like when during the game when you when you have a chance and like and granted if it is a like i understand the person at the ball trying to trying to swipe at it see if they can hit it before it gets back to the quarterback but then after that like that like come on like stop stop with all the antics 
but as far as in a basketball game, because we've seen Tracy McGrady score 13 points, uh, what was it, in 30 seconds. So I and we've seen the Reggie Miller comebacks and all of that. So I don't mind the pressing with your starters in at that moment. What? How about you? Oh no, I, I mean, I I don't really mind it. I mean, it, it, it's it. You know, if if you think that you have a chance to win and you think that it is in your best interest to try and force turnovers, then you should go ahead and do that. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I guess what I would say is I, they're down by 14 with 10 seconds to go. Uh, yeah, I would pull off the yeah. press at that point. Tracy McGrady ain't walking through that door for the 2022 <laughs> Michigan Wolverines. If there's a Tracy McGrady caliber player that's college age, he's in the NBA right now. Um, so, no, man, it, and it was just such an unfortunate situation. And, um, you know, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I think if Juwan Howard had to do it over, I think that he – wouldn't have done what he did. I don't think Greg Gard should have grabbed him. Like, it's one where it's so crazy, George. I know you know this. Like, we all work in the media. Like, everybody has to rush to social media and has to get their opinion out. And, like, there's a lot of nuance. Like, like the pressing matters. Uh, the timeout matters. The fact that Greg, Greg Gard grabbed him. Because, listen, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not excusing what Juwan Howard did. You can't put your hands on somebody else. But when, when somebody grabs me, what's your first reaction? It's almost like you're yeah, in, like, get your damn yeah, hands off exactly. Of me. It's like it's like third grade karate class. You pull away, right? You know, like, so, it, like, again, it's it's one of those deals where everybody wants to rush to the, 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 um, to social media or to wherever and have the, the strongest, boldest opinion that you have to have. It's not Jawan Howard's fault. Jawan Howard needs to be fired. Blame Greg Gard. Shouldn't and it's just like there's so much context to it. There's so many layers to it. Uh, to answer your question, I, I don't think he should have been pressing. I don't think Greg Gard should have put his hands on Jawan Howard either. Does that is that is that Correct. too soft yes. of a take no, for, no, for no, no. Fourth no. Sports Talk Radio? Yeah. No, dude, that that's actually sensible. <laughs> and we we need more sensibility because you because it is okay to say that that not one person is to blame but that the situation got escalated by a bunch of bad decisions that is okay and i'm looking at it and the idea that Jawan Howard should be fired this guy's been a great leader to his team he's put a bunch of guys in the nba been to the final 4 all this stuff, the the idea that he should be fired, no, but but I will uh, accept the suspension, though. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, I think you references, referenced it earlier, George, but there was a little pushing and shoving thing with Juwan Howard last year in the Big Ten tournament with Maryland. Um, so it's not necessarily his first incident. And what you also said is true, too, is like anybody who spent any time around Juwan Howard knows, and I'm not claiming I know him well, but press conferences, whatever, like he's a great representative of that university. He loves the university. I'm sure he's remorseful for what happened. Um, and I just believe in general, and we could talk about it throughout the show. Like I, I don't believe that anybody should be judged by their worst moment. Um, you know, if, if he's going to, if, there are circumstances where it's a little bit different. But if this all ends with you know two sides being mad, um, I don't believe that he should be fired for this incident. And I hope he's not fired for this incident. Just like. I, I, I don't know. I can't think of a good comparable example, but I, I do hope he's not fired for this incident. I hope he learns from it. I hope he gets suspended. If if somebody deems that he needs anger management or whatever, that's fine by me. I hope his whole career and his whole career trajectory isn't ruined because of this one moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be, that would be all bad because 
because he has been a great representative of the university and, and all of that. But, uh, but the next question that we have for you guys is that it is tournament time. It is coming up and which teams are we looking at? And here's where we're going to lean on Aaron because he's been watching college, a lot more college basketball than everybody else probably. Lately. The Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks. Oh, sorry, Listening. sorry. Um, so who should we be looking at as the tournament and the and the um, and the conference tournaments get get going here in the near future? You guys, this is Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked here. I'm George Reiser with Aaron Torres. Get the meat hooks off of me. Don't touch. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres. Daddy Dan Beyer is off today, but we are coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio studios. And we were talking just a little bit ago about uh, the Jawan Howard situation. And if you missed it, Michigan was playing Wisconsin a uh they were going to go shake hands the Jawan Howard got you know grabbed by an assistant coach from Wisconsin they got into a little uh verbal altercation more people came over it it got more and more heated and then Jawan Howard ended up open hand hitting another assistant from Wisconsin it was an ugly ugly scene um but it is college basketball season and there's a lot of good things going on right now and even though there's not a lot going on with my Oregon Ducks because they they, I don't even know who's going to show up from game to game with these dudes but I still love them still still supporting them and Dana Altman's teams usually play big when it comes to the Pac-12 tournament then the NCAA tournament uh what are some of the teams that that we're looking at this season, Aaron, that we should be, that should go deep and make a good run in the tournament. Well, it's funny because I was thinking about this as you kind of set, set up this topic before the break, George, is, you know how like in the NFL, we reach a point where 
teams are just tired and they're ready for the playoffs and they just start taking weird losses like you know the Rams losing in week 17 at home to the to the 49ers when they were clearly the better team and and things like that um, and I think we're kind of hitting that point with college basketball where uh, Auburn's been was the number one team in the country for about three four weeks they've lost their last two road games Kentucky's been banged up uh, they don't look as good today as they did uh, I don't know two three weeks ago when they were fully healthy so what I would say is you know Arizona I think is playing about as well as any team in college basketball right now you saw them uh, up close and in person last night against the Ducks Gonzaga's in the mix every year. I think there's always going to be a a vocal contingent of people that until they win the championship, people won't believe that it's going to get done. I still think Auburn's going to be okay. I still think Kentucky's going to be okay. And then after that, it gets a little dicey. I think you start to see teams that have major flaws. Uh, Purdue, really talented offensively, but they don't really defend. Uh, Kansas has kind of up and down days. There's a few others. Baylor's pretty banged up right now. I would say right now, the four that I really like uh, are Arizona, Gonzaga, Kentucky, and Auburn. I'd probably throw Duke in there as well. Duke, of course, uh, might have the potential number one pick in the draft, Paulo Bancaro. So it should be a fun tournament, though. It should be a fun tournament, and um, it's a fun time of year. I'll say that. It's a fun time of year. Yeah, and are you are, are you believing that with a, a team like Duke, being that this is Coach K's last year, that they can make some sort of run and you, you know to to feel good about like sending him out, win one for the Gipper. Well, I sir, I mean, listen, every team wants to win, you know, regardless. And I think obviously Duke has extra motivation. I think they have like. The, the most important thing is they have the talent to do it. Like there have been years, most notably last year, where uh, it could have been Coach K's first year, last year, whatever, and they didn't have the talent. This year they do. Uh, like I said, Paulo Bancaro is a big kind of um, he's kind of a combo forward, if you will, about six ten, but he can handle the ball from Seattle. Uh, AJ Griffin, uh, whose dad is an NBA coach with the Toronto Raptors, both those guys are going to be lottery picks, and they have a kid named Mark Williams down low, who's about seven foot one. That's a great rim protector. So I bring it all up to say. You know, it's one thing if, uh, you know, you, you want to win because your coach is retiring and you just don't have the dudes. I think they got the dudes to do it. Uh, but as we always say, and it, it is a worthwhile conversation at this time of year, the question then becomes, you know, a team that's so reliant on freshmen and they really start about three freshmen on their roster, uh, is that a team that's going to be capable of, uh, you know, of winning six straight single elim- elimination games? Because the the pressure once the tournament starts, it's real. Um, and a lot of times, you know, if you're if you're a super young team, a lot of super young teams have trouble dealing with it. Yeah, and and it well, and last year we saw it was the veteran teams that ended up you know per- performing the best. And it was obviously it was the Gonzagas, it was the you know Baylor, uh, yeah. yeah yeah Baylor the the veteran teams are. Do you think that that's going to hold true for this year? Well, I think what's interesting is um, I think what's interesting about that is what I always look for is it's not so much to me, um, you know, it's not so much to me like veteran versus youth versus this versus that. What I do think matters is have you been in the tournament before? Uh, do you have guys that have been there? Because you just can't replicate single elimination season on the line type setting and really the intensity that you have to have for six straight of those games. And so let me give you an example. Um you know, let me let me give you an example. Last year, Illinois kind of comes out of nowhere, number one seed in in the tournament. Not the number one overall seed, but they were a number one seed. Had Io DeSumo who's playing well for the Bulls. Have Kofi Coburn, who's going to be an All American this year. 
but they get to the tournament and they're just not ready for that intensity. And so I bring it up because um, you look at this year, and I think this is kind of the interesting thing about this year's tournament, George, is that so many of these teams basically have guys without any NCAA tournament experience, right? I mean, you we just talked about it. Duke was terrible last year. Those That team did not play in the tournament last year, and they have a bunch of freshmen who haven't been there either. Uh, Kentucky did not make the tournament last year. They basically have, I, I could be mistaken, I think they have one guy who's a transfer who's ever played a single NCAA tournament game. Uh, you know, Arizona had a self-imposed NCAA tournament ban last year. They did not play. So to me, that's something that I always look at, not so much the vets versus youth as much as do you have tournament experience because if you don't, there's no way to replicate it. And I think that's what's interesting about this year is there's so many teams, uh, Auburn, by the way, who, who would be in line for a number one seed if the tournament started today. They had a self-imposed NCAA tournament ban last year. So they're another one. So that to me is the more interesting part is the idea that a lot of these teams that are going to get number one, number two seeds – have never been in this setting before uh, come tournament time. Now, you have a team like Gonzaga, who through the last, what, 15, 20 years has gone from a mid-major, and even though they're still in a mid-major conference, there's nothing mid-major about this team. They're putting out first-round draft picks just as, you know, like uh, Kentucky style at this point in time. But at some point in time, it's got to be their year, right? And and how soon before it's their year to win the national championship and not just go to the finals, which they've done, what, three, I think three times in the last 20 years? A hundred percent. Twice. They, they've been twice to the championship game, including last year. And it's so funny because one thing that always kind of annoys me this time of year is is the whole notion of like, oh, they'll never win the NC- they'll never win the title coming out of that conference. And what I can say is that's nonsense. Um, you know, people don't believe me when I tell you this, but like those famous UNLV teams of the early 1990s, if you go back and look, there are articles that were written in the late 80s saying this team will never win a title because the conference is too weak, blah, blah, blah. They were basically the Gonzaga of their era. Of course, they won a championship. They were some of the most iconic college basketball teams of all time. But even going back to last year, Gonzaga's undefeated going into the title game, right? And everybody says, uh, oh, well, uh, they didn't play anybody all season, and that's why they lost to Baylor. Well, here's the thing about Gonzaga. They won their first four NCAA tournament games by 15-plus points last year, including against USC with Evan Mobley, uh, including against Creighton, which was a really good team with, with a couple fringe NBA players. And so my problem with that Gonzaga narrative that they'll never win it coming out of their conference, they were very clearly the second best team in college basketball last year it just so happened that the best that they had to play the best team in college basketball in the championship Correct. game had they played anybody else yes. they would have won literally anybody else except Baylor literally anybody else and so it's like oh they'll never win the title it's like well if Baylor and nobody ever roots for this but i mean if if they had a, a foul problem in the sweet 16 or an unfortunate twisted ankle at an opportune time, Gonzaga wins the title and it's a dumb narrative. And so that to me kind of bothers me. And, and, you know, again, it's a single elimination tournament. Very rarely do we actually get the two. Like, would you say that the two best teams played in the Super Bowl last Saturday, last Sunday? Because I don't think the two best teams played in it. And I think most years in the NCAA tournament, you rarely get the clear two best teams. Last year it happened, Gonzaga and Baylor. And it just so happened there was one team better than Gonzaga, and they ended up winning the title. Uh, so to answer your question, I, I don't know if this is the year. I do think they do some things better than they did last year. They're not as explosive offensively. But the idea that they'll never win it, as long as they're in the WCC, is just a dumb, dumb, dumb narrative. 
Yep. And um, I totally agree with that. Uh, but uh, but you know who a man who can win it, who can Uh-oh. get it. That is our man, Diamond David Gas. Man, David Gascon. George, what's up, dude? What up? I was expecting to start the show off with a, with an acknowledgement of one. Of one what? Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams winning the trade between the Detroit Lions and the L.A. Rams. Okay, I so thought look. I thought you were gonna do it, George. I thought no, I, no. Well, well, well. Sorry. Well, I, I I do have a weekday show too, so I so I had to acknowledge it all week. So Did I you? didn't realize <laughs> that I didn't acknowledge it that many times. It's a different but, fan, though. Yeah, but uh, but uh, seriously though, yeah, I have asked the question all year: How much better is this team with Matthew Stafford than Jared Goff? Yeah, and they were championship level. Yep. Great trade. Yeah. Did F you... them picks. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> at least until next season. Um, guys, college basketball, since we're on it right now, a uh, handful of games are in progress. But earlier today, Providence in overtime beat Butler. Houston double overtime beat Wichita State in the Wisconsin. And Michigan locking up at the end. Badgers do win it 77-63. to As far as a couple other games that have gone final now, Creighton by one over Marquette. SMU blasted Memphis. 73 to 57. San Jose State leads New Mexico by three. Rutgers and Purdue just underway. Purdue fifth ranked in the nation. They are 13 point favorites in this one, but it is 2-2. Washington State and Southern Cal tonight. Missouri and Mississippi State will tip off at 8 o'clock Eastern. On the ice, Ottawa and the New York Rangers 1-1. Panthers and Blackhawks in the third period. Florida leads 3-2. Carolina won at Pittsburgh. Montreal in a shootout over the Islanders. And, guys, the Daytona 500 right now on Fox. Brad Kozlowski is your leader. Lap 145 of 200. Yes, they've been driving fast. That's it for now, fellas. Thank you, Gas. So, <laughs> thank you, Gas Man. So, um, enough on the college basketball right now. Plenty of time for that. But, uh, yesterday we got news that uh, kind of that was not necessarily shocking, but that some people did not expect, and that was former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores landing a job. Now he didn't get a head coaching job, but he is now the linebackers coach and senior defensive assistant for Mike Tomlin over with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, a lot when Brian Flores first filed his lawsuit against the against the NFL, a lot of people said, "Oh man, he'll never work again." And I honestly that was my first thought thought initially. But after I heard from some people in in the know, they said, "No, no, no, no. No, they no, I think he'll work again." And and now you have Mike Mike Tomlin who gave him a job. I mean, granted, he he has earned. He's been a great head coach, great defensive coordinator. But the Pittsburgh Steelers already have a defensive coordinator. So to bring him on staff, were you surprised to hear that, Aaron? I was surprised because a couple things. I mean, one, I didn't really know if he was 
actively pursuing anything other than head coaching opportunities. Um, and we see this all the time, right? A guy gets fired. Um, he's clearly qualified to be a head coach. And and rather than going back to the assistant route, he, he steps away for a year, does TV for a year. Uh, Mike McCarthy did that, right? Like Mike McCarthy didn't go be a linebacker's coach or a quarterback's coach. Like he just was away and then he came back. So that was one. Um, and then two, I would have thought, and I, I know this is probably where you want to go with this, is I would have thought that if he accepted uh, an, even an assistant coaching job, let alone a head coaching job, um, that it probably would put him at risk of not being able to win a lawsuit against the NFL. So, uh, you know, I obviously, you know, I hosted my show last night and we talked a little bit about it. And it seems as though that while he is, you know, not pursuing, while he is has accepted this uh, assistant coaching job with the Pittsburgh Steelers, he is still actively uh, suing the NFL. So, so to answer your question, I was surprised because I didn't think he was even attempting to pursue uh, uh, opportunities outside of head coaching opportunities. And then, two, I would have thought that if he accepted a job, it would pretty much put an end to the lawsuit, and that doesn't appear appear to be the case either. Yeah, and I don't think he was necessarily actively looking for other jobs at first, but besides defensive coordinators. But I actually thought for, for Brian Flores in his situation, for him to step away from the game for a year, would have been potential career suicide because it's like the further that you get away from it, the more people can say, oh, he hasn't coached in a while, this and that. But but when you're in the game and you know he's going to do a, a great job actually coaching, so now it's going to be more more of, oh, wait, hold up. There's nothing to discredit him now. Does that make sense? And then – and things go well in Pittsburgh. Oh, wait, hold up. Maybe he's not difficult to deal with if you're not asking him to lose games and you're not trying to force a quarterback on him in Tua who hasn't been very good, and then you're not asking him to uh, to, to to do things that violate his character. It's probably pretty easy to uh, – uh, It'll pro- he'll probably prove pretty easy to get along with because – he was easy to get along with in New England, apparently, of enough that people, including Bill Belichick, recommended him for the job when he got it in Miami. So I just think it's interesting the the narrative that people paint about people when when they want to justify what was clearly a bad firing in Miami. Well, yeah, I mean, a couple things is that one. Um, first of all, that's what you know every coach does is it's the rehab tour, and we, you know, you and I talk a lot of college, George. I mean, that's what Nick Saban has made famous is brings in everybody, and it doesn't Soup matter. Kitchen for coaches, yeah, that, that, yeah. that's what I, I call it. it. I love it. Yeah, no, I don't know if how many of them actually get better. Some of them do. Some of them learn. Some of them don't. Um, but but I think that's that's the the narrative that everybody uses, and I think it's certainly the narrative that when Brian Flores is uh, pursuing uh, head coaching opportunities next year, he's going to say the exact same thing: how much he learned, blah blah blah, this and that. But I also think like there's something to be said that you can learn, and I think you know in in life we all. You know, we all try to uh, better ourselves and better our situations. And, and, you know, Flores came up under that Bill Belichick coaching tree, coaching regime. And I think obviously there were some things, and I'm not saying that he should have been fired because I don't think he did. But like you said, there were some things kind of in the building that uh, seemed to frustrate people uh, with the Miami Dolphins. And I think seeing another way in which an organization is run, seeing in another way in which a team is run, and and frankly, you know, working for a second Super Bowl winning head coach can only help Brian Flores in the process. So I'm with you. Is um, you know, I was a little surprised that he took this position, but 
I also think having, uh, you know, experience, not only being a darn good head coach under your own right, but I think it's going to make him a better coach uh, seeing how, how Mike, Mike Tomlin runs things as opposed to Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a that, that's actually a really great point when you think about the the depth of knowledge. Right. Because he already won 19 games in the last two seasons. And that and that in and of itself is is upper tier in the in the NFL. And now and now that's without any quarterback that anybody would. He, he had um, Fitz Fitz magic and Tua. And neither one of those guys, anybody at this point, is trying to build their franchise around. Granted, Tua still has a chance to revive and change what people think about him. But but we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. He's near retirement, and he's a guy who's been a you know a journeyman quarterback who's is a good starter, especially if he's got to come in in relief and all of those things. So so I think we know who who he is in that right. Now, Flores getting a chance to go uh, coach under a guy in Mike Tomlin who has never had a losing season in 15 years. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. So now you add what he learned from Bill Belichick, which clearly worked. Now you add what he'll learn from Mike, Mike Tomlin. I think that he will be in a fantastic position when he does get another head coaching job. I don't disagree. Um, you know, I'm not enough of a legal expert to know if this hurts his lawsuit as much as uh, kind of a, a simpleton like myself thinks that it would maybe hurt his lawsuit, uh, you know, the Lovey Smith thing as well. So don't know what it means for, for his lawsuit, but I don't think any of us really thought that he wasn't a good coach and wasn't going to end up as a head coach at some point in the future. Absolutely. And um, you guys, so much still to talk about because the NFL Combine, they made a move that may interrupt your viewing experience on NFL Network and everywhere else that streams the, streams the Combine. And we'll talk about that next here on Fox Sports Radio. I am George Reister with Aaron Torres. Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of the Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to the Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews 
with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So <laughs> the NFL decided to make a decision that will impact your viewing experience of the NFL Combine. So the NFL has decided that the that the that there will be a bubble within the NFL Combine that they are not that they informed all the prospects that they'll be in a bubble in secure locations next month for the Combine. Limited exceptions and players who violate the policy at any time will be disqualified from further participation and sent home. You now, know somebody's going to do that, right? Like of somebody, course. It, it's like the NBA bubble. It wasn't LeBron and Anthony Davis that broke nope. the NBA. It was like uh, the third string uh, point It was a dude go- from Houston. I forgot his name. Yes. Um, I didn't want to recklessly throw out names because I forget. I want to say maybe Ben Daniel, Matthews. yes, it was Daniel House. There you go. That's who it was. It was Daniel House. Yep, and that was, and he ended up getting sent home. It was a bad, bad deal, dude. I mean, he ended up with egg on his face. I mean, and this is where players have a big opportunity to, you know, to uh, showcase their skills, run, jump, all of that stuff. And I actually asked an agent about this, Aaron. I asked an agent, a big-named NFL agent about this and uh, because I thought it could impact the I said how big of a deal is this thing that the NFL not allowing agents and trainers into the bubble at the combine Mm -hmm. and he said trainers is a big deal he doesn't think it makes any sense because everybody's vaccinated or most are and he doesn't think that most players that he thinks that a lot of players won't work out but then as you kind of get into the detail of it, he said, well, you can actually get a trainer approved inside the bubble. But now the question is, will the trainers want to be in the bubble? All the, that, Like it creates a sticky situ- situation. They can bring a trainer in or they can bring they can bring in one medical professional with them inside of the bubble, provided that they live within the the bubble rules as as well. Now. Do you think, Aaron, that this is going to impact the amount of people who work out at the combine? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. And this is something I just don't know the answer to, and and you probably do. So I want to ask you: If the NBA has, or the NBA, the NFL has basically stopped testing for COVID amongst both vaccinated and unvaccinated players, why do they feel the need to have a bubble at the combine? I don't get it. Well, the well, the, well uh, okay. The NFL stopped testing vaccinated and unvaccinated uh, players because they did not care uh, because they wanted to get through the playoffs. They were like, yo, yo, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. (laughs) So why do they care now about the combine, I guess, is my question. Because there are more people involved. There's less like like there is less riding on this. You know what I mean? Like the the NFL playoffs, they didn't want the possibility of moving a game. Like they were like, we're not even going there. 
And now they're like, wait, hold up, hold up. We st- we we still do have to have COVID protocols, people. And, and but I completely Aaron with you. I think the majority of people, as it relates to sports and COVID, it's not the fact that there have been COVID protocols or anything like that. I think it's the hypocrisy that has frustrated people the most. I, I agree 100%. And, and that's kind of where my confusion comes in is that, you know, if we're saying that it's about health and safety and all that stuff, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get super political, but it's impossible not to, um, you know, if it's if it's about this, the health and safety, then why did you deem that it's perfectly normal and perfectly fine and perfectly healthy to stop testing uh, unvaccinated players, players, etc.? There clearly was no sort of real mask mandate at the Super Bowl last week. And for the record, I don't think there should be. I think masks should be optional, but that's neither here nor there. But now we're going to go to the combine and say agents, this, that, the other thing can't get in. I'm very confused by it. It sounds like I'm not the only one. And that was kind of why I asked you that, George, was because I'm just a little confused. It just seems like they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. And that has to be frustrating for, for, for everybody because they're like, yo, I, I like you just said the other thing was okay. Yep. That, I mean, there there's no difference than a parent who tries to tell that like to do the do as I say not as I do thing hey kid do not smoke weed but I'm gonna go smoke weed yeah exactly (laughs) it's the exact same thing dude um but um but yeah I understand the frustration as it relates to players as it relates to agents and fans who may not get a chance to see as many people work out and that will be frustrating for them. But today, though, we get the NBA All-Star Game. We had the Saturday night last night, and we will have our reaction to that next here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm George Rice with Aaron Torres. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Here on Fox Sports Radio, George Reister, Aaron Torres here. It is the NBA All-Star Game today. And this is only, what, two weeks after seeing the NFL's version of the All-Star Game, which is the Pro Bowl. Aaron, Pro Bowl or NBA All-Star Game? Um, spending for, time your, with, for your viewing. Spend, spending time with the family. Um, going to the DMV. Uh, what else? What else would I rather be doing? Um, are you are you out on both? Because I am completely out on Pro Bowl. Completely out on Pro Bowl. Yes, I, I'm a thousand percent out on the Pro Bowl. I will probably watch the NBA All Star Game a little bit. Um, but I have had this thought, and I was on air last night during the dunk contest. First of all, All Star Weekend is separate from the All Star Game. I think. But one, I, the dunk contest is running its course. Just it's it's over. It's never coming back. It will never be a thing anymore. Why do you say that? They, we a, a couple years ago we just had Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon in one of the all time best dunk contests. Yeah, I, I it doesn't matter. I I I just I can't. We're it was funny. We were on last night during kind of the closing of the Olympics. And there are certain sports, certain sports events like that. They're just not going to matter as much as they used to. And I think the dunk contest is one of them. And and I said this on my show, George. You tell me if you disagree. I think the day the dunk contest began to die was the day that LeBron came into the NBA 
and never did the dunk contest. And I'm not Mr. Crush LeBron about everything, but if you go back and look, first of all, like in the 80s, the superstars just used to do the dunk contest every year. Dominique did it until he was 30. Jordan did it until he was 25, 26, year five, six in the league. Um, Kobe did it as a young guy. Vince Carter did it as a young guy. Tracy McGrady did it as a young guy. And after LeBron basically said, I'm just not doing it, you look and there's a pretty clear line in the sand that a lot of these young dynamic superstars, the Zions, the John Morants haven't done it. So I just, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not into it. I, I, I've, I've been into it in the past. I just feel like it's one of those things. It was cool ten years ago. It doesn't feel as cool now. Uh, I'll be watching if, of course, I'm you know on air doing radio, or if I know I'm going to talk about it on radio. But if I didn't work Saturday nights and I had no reason to watch or talk about it, I probably wouldn't be watching. See, man. Okay, so I didn't watch it live last last night. I was out watching. Um, Marry me with mm. uh, Owen uh, Owen Wilson and J J Lo, which is which Ooh. turned out is to it be good? Y- hell yes, bro. There we go. It is a rom com, but it is fantastic, bro. I'm it in. is yeah, it is what? what it is what they would say a quote unquote air quote chick flick, but no, 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 bro. It it is a good movie. It, if you have an opportunity to go see it, go see. It. I've got no stake in it, no nothing. I just enjoyed it, and so I ended up watching the uh the dunk contest when i got home and to me there's nothing more frustrating the the way to make a dunk contest bad to me is a bunch of missed dunks i agree like i need at least one or two guys to be fantastic in the dunk contest i need them to separate themselves that's what i need one or one or two guys to to not miss and just be fan fantastic. That's I what I need for the dunk contest to be good. And we haven't gotten that since Zach Levine and uh and Aaron Gordon. I mean, because that was one for the freaking ages, bro. But um, but as far as the all-star game, I had started being out on the all-star game for a while. But then as soon, as soon as they changed it to the Elam ending, yep. I was in. I was in. They they uh they they changed it so instead of playing for for time, you're actually playing to a certain number of points. Yep. Which which then has made the the ending much more interesting and I have been 100% in on that. Yeah, it, it, last year was the first year, right, that they did that? Uh I think it was. No, 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 no. Tw- yes, 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 correct. Yeah, cuz un- unfortunately correct. it came yeah. after the passing of Kobe and then yes. Kobe was early 2020, so last year would have been the first All-Star. Correct. Um I will say I, I did watch it last year and and I will say that um I I it, I found the ending much more compelling because of it and maybe that was the way to save the All-Star game if you will cuz yeah, it was um it was getting pretty tough to watch there. Nobody was playing defense. It was a bunch of bad alley-oops. It was a bunch of this. It was a bunch of that. Uh, but, yeah, the Elam ending last year, I thought, made it more compelling. I thought guys played hard. I thought there was a reason to have the starters in at the end of the game. So I will say that, that you know, watching last year, I seem to en- I seem to enjoy it more than I had in a long time. And uh, we'll see if it's the same tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And ho- hopefully for us viewers – that we get that because uh dude i am all in on it i i i am all in on watching guys play hard but i feel like it's a foregone con- conclusion that that the all-star game is a is a game of 
LeBron, I win. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, like it, it's just oh, of course, of, of of course, LeBron wins. This is this is the name of the game that we that we play every every year. It's LeBron wins, and um, and I think we're looking at much of the same now. Now, one of the players who well, there there are a few players who won't be playing in the game. That is, you're gonna have. Uh, Kevin Durant out. Uh, I mean, he would have been out anyway because his mother just announced that his grandmother passed passed away. So he won't even be attending the 75th anniversary team thing tonight. And his former teammate in, um, in James Harden won't be attending. Well, won't be playing because he is air quotes hurt. Now, now this trade, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it, Aaron, but I thought that the that the Philadelphia 76ers lost this trade by a mile and that the Brooklyn Nets in getting Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, Ben Simmons, I mean, assuming that he's able to play and two first round picks that that was an absolute. I mean, that it was unbelievable how much they got for James Harden. So couple things one um i actually thought that was kind of the underrated element of that trade is that i think there are like real questions i think there's a ton of questions about ben simmons to be honest like dude hasn't played in forever and this notion that um that oh you know well he's never gonna they're not gonna ask him to do much well guess what the the 76ers weren't asking him to do much on offense either and the ball still always ended up in his hands and he still always ended up at the foul line whatever and I think the the narrative with James Harden is, you know, like we know what it is at this point, never made a finals, whatever. I actually thought that was kind of an underrated element of the trade was getting uh, getting uh, Seth Curry, excuse me, thrown in for Brooklyn. And I think that's a guy that with KD, uh, with Kyrie, I think can have a real impact on that one. So what I would say is I do think Brooklyn won the trade. Um, but I also like this idea that Ben Simmons can just be this defensive stopper that never is going to be counted on to do anything offensively and can just kind of stand in the corner. Like, I'm not sure that I buy that part of it either, if that makes no sense. No way, dude. The the ball finds you, bro. I agree. When it, it is it is like in Little League Baseball when <laughs> yeah. when they try to hide a kid in right field or left field or wherever they don't think the ball is going. Then, dude, the ball find the ball finds you. We, especially if you don't want it, the ball will find you multiple times and expose you. So, and, and I don't believe that just the change of scenery is going to fix, quote unquote, fix Ben uh, Simmons. I agree because the idea that the grass is greener on the other side of the the uh, street it's like a new relationship. It all set, it all starts out real good at first, right? Well, how about James Harden in Brooklyn last year? It was the same thing. I need a fresh start. Well, he gets there a year later, fill in the blank. I need another fresh start. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you keep needing fresh fresh starts. And the reason why you keep needing fresh starts is because you are not because you are part of the problem. And until you address what that part of the problem is, you are going to continuously be in the exact same situation continuously be in the exact same situation and i do not um and now and the other part of this though aaron is that ben simmons he said he he was having mental health issues and 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 all of that now are you surprised that that's the route that he took or do you believe that 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 that's the truth 
of of his situation. So I did this rant on my show on um, on a Saturday, and I think and and what I was shocked by was okay. So let me let me backtrack. My personal opinion is that Ben Simmons absolutely used mental health as an excuse for demanding a trade. And I don't think that's a controversial take. I think all you got to do is just look at the facts of what happened. Demands a trade in the offseason. They don't trade him. They refuse to play him. He has no choice but to report. He reports. He immediately gets thrown out of practice the first day that he reports. Then he comes back and he says that he has a back injury, can't play, or a wrist injury. I think it was a back injury. He has a back injury, can't play. Gets cleared by the doctors to play. Doesn't is about to not get paid again. And only then does he use mental health as an excuse. And so that's been my stance. I think he and, and by the way, to be clear, I don't take mental health lightly. My wife works in mental health. My mother or my excuse me, my sister-in-law works in mental health. My sister works in mental health. It's not a joke to me. But it is so abundantly clear that he used that as an excuse to get out of Philadelphia. And then he does the press conference on Monday where all all he talks about, and then all of a sudden everyone in our business, well, you know, we have to be sympathetic to Ben Simmons. No, we don't. He was a jerk. I think he made it up. If he didn't make it up, there was four or five other things that he chose to say before he brought it up. And if that was the problem, he should have brought it up from the beginning. I have no sympathy for this guy. I'm not rooting for him. And I think he used mental health as an excuse to get out of Philadelphia, and I will not change my opinion on that. Yeah, there, and I will agree that there's a lot of signs that 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 point to that, and the idea that your mental and and granted, you can be, um, you know, be sad or disgruntled, and that imp- uh, impacts your performance at a place that you work. Right? If you're if your bosses are certain type of people, or if you are that, or things are done a certain type of type type of way, it can deteriorate your 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 happiness i 100 percent agree with that but i also under understand too that that if you are ben simmons and you're saying all right cool i am ready to i i can't play my my my, my mental health but i get i get traded oh all of a sudden now i can come back yes exactly thank like, you like 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 how is there a date for you to come back when if you were having a mental health episode and this date only came up after you got traded that's exactly right and that's exactly what i said the day that he uh he did his little press conference or whatever i said it's a it's a a miracle of modern medicine that that the mental health issues went away the second that he got traded out of philadelphia uh must be something in the water in philadelphia because he crossed that bridge over to uh to brooklyn and he's fine now i am totally a thousand percent with you george and again I believe two things can be true. We can take mental health seriously um, and we can realize that it's a real thing that impacts a lot of people. And we also can hold our athletes accountable when they're full of you know what and try to use that as an excuse. 100%. Um, you guys, in just a couple minutes, we will be joined by friend of the program, NFL NFL insider and uh mr adam kaplan to talk all things nfl that's up next here on fox sports radio i'm george reister with aaron torres at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field 
Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here on Fox Sports Radio, and I'm George Reiser with Mr. Aaron Torres, and we are now joined by special guest and Fox Sports Radio NFL insider and host of the Inside the Birds podcast, Mr. Adam Kaplan. Thanks for coming on the show. Guys, good to be back with you tonight. Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll start with the NFL because they just announced that there was going to be a bubble for the combine and all, and that they – the players would have to get approval to have a trainer or a medical professional allowed inside. And granted, if the NFL wants to have a bubble, it can have a bubble. But I talked to agents yeah. and they're frustrated because they're saying, but I but I thought you didn't need to test because of what you just did in the NFL playoffs. Yeah. So, George, this has actually been known for the last couple of months with agents. Uh, I probably heard this back around Thanksgiving. And this is expected. It's not a surprise. What what also bothers the agents is that they're not going to get access to their players. Like as you know, George, the 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 agents will they want to see their players after their workout. They want to have want to talk to them face to face. Well, they won't be able to do that because of this proposed bubble, which is going to happen. And both the NFL and NFLPA agreed to it. And you know the the other thing is that uh, at night they'll bring them food if they need it. They just you know, this is what agents do. They service the players and do what they need them to do, and they're not going to have access to them. And none of this is surprising to any agents I've spoken with. They've kind of known about this. This has been really the talk for the last couple of months, but it's just a difference of, of kind of what we've seen in, in years past. And then combine workouts are also going to change, by the way, uh, in, in terms of how they do them, when they do them. There'll be some uh, changes to the testing procedures. It has nothing to do with COVID. This is just kind of getting it to more analytical look. Uh, which has been the talk of the uh, last couple years, I'd say. So we'll see what that looks like, but I look forward to going. I will be there when they start on the 2nd of March. So, Adam, obviously week removed from uh, last last week's Super Bowl. Um, just It could be as a fan, it could be as an insider, yeah. it could be looking ahead to what the Rams' future is, the Bengals' future is. Did you have one big takeaway coming on the last Sunday? I'll tell you what. So I was at Radio Row uh, right before the game, obviously, uh, most of the week and the talk of the the former players i think they all said the same thing rams have the better roster Bengals have a little more upside Bengals, as some of the guys said that probably shouldn't have been there uh if you look at sort of the way that the season went they probably overachieved a little bit 
And that's kind of the way I saw it. Now I'll give the you know, Bengals credit. Um, you know, the, the Rams had a score in the fourth quarter to take the lead, and they finished it off. They they only won by three, though. Although I think if OBJ doesn't severely damage his knee, that injured that same uh, uh, surgically repaired knee, and hurt it again for the second time in two years, they probably would have won by more than three. But nevertheless, the, the Rams won. And I also don't think these are two great teams. I, I do. Sometimes the best teams don't get there. Uh, I was really hoping for the Chiefs to get there, and what an unbelievable first half they had against the Bengals and the exact opposite of the second half, which probably the biggest surprise of the playoffs is how Patrick Mahomes played so poorly the second half after having a first great half against the Bengals. Yeah, what, what did you make of all of this? Oh, my God, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback in the <laughs> yeah. AFC. And I, I and I, how can we be such prisoners of of the moment, or do you agree with that? No, I don't. Um, let, well, let's put it this way. You, we, we've talked on your show, George, the last year or so about Josh Allen and with our friend Dan Beyer about how far uh, Josh Allen's come, you know, come of age here. Uh, you know, Burrow's a good quarterback. There's no doubt about it. And consider he came off of a significant injury, tore an ACL, and he a little, I think he actually had meniscus damage too. And to come on like he did was terrific. Um, you know, Herb, Justin Herbert's guy. If we were just looking at the AFC, Justin Herbert's got to be up there. Derek Carr's a good quarterback, obviously Josh Allen, Mahomes. Uh, so I think we have to be careful. And then uh, Deshaun Watson, of course, he didn't play last season. Two years ago, he played great football. The record was terrible, but they had terrible talent around him, and that's why the record was what it was. So kind of speaking in the same vein of uh, you know Super Bowl, everything like that, um, what about the Rams? I mean, obviously there's some yeah. guys that – you know, Whitworth may be on his way out, all that. But but what are, are – are there is there major next steps to take? I mean, what do you envision that the offseason for them looking like? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I was looking at the the what we call NFL future bets uh, for next year, and believe it or not, the Rams were not favorites to, to repeat. The Bills and Chiefs were one and two. That's the way that uh, Las Vegas sees them, and the Rams were third, ranked to win the Super Bowl next year. Now, Odell Beckham is a free agent towards ACL. Uh, they've got two of their starting offensive linemen out. Uh, Von Miller's contract's up. Remember, they gave up two draft picks to get him. Other than that, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, Cooper Cup signed long-term. You mentioned Whitworth. You know, they do not have uh, their future at left tackle if Whitworth retires. And he is 40 years old. I can't imagine he'd come back. I mean, what a great way to walk away. You win the Super Bowl. You're 40 years old. You're right off to the sunset, but he's not made a decision yet. That is, to me, the biggest issue for them. Who's going to be their left tackle? Because, as I understand it, they don't really don't know who the future is at that position. Yeah, and you got to get that locked up. Um, but the, a guy you just mentioned was Deshaun Watson, and there was a report that he, you know, was reevaluating the teams that he wants to go yeah. to. But how soon might we come to some sort of legal? Either he's going to be charged with a felony, a misdemeanor, yeah. or nothing. So then he can be traded. And how Alex, long will yeah. the the uh, the Houston Texans be willing to hold on to him, being that his salary guarantees after the what the the third day of the league year? Yeah. So yeah, and he was only making ten million last season for not playing, of course. So the the way the teams understand, they they assume they're going to find out in the next six to eight weeks what where he's. At, from a legal standpoint, and yeah, and his agent shot down those reports uh, to Jersey Anderson. I used to work with at ESPN. Um, well, because he want, he wants to get his name cleared. Obviously, it's going to be difficult, but he wants to kind of know uh, what's going on. And his base salary, by the way, is fully guaranteed of uh, for twenty two of thirty five million. So it's um, the big one, though. The big one 
Um, the reason why they need to know uh, by the fifth day of the league year is because his, his base salary for, tw- for 2023 becomes fully guaranteed for 2023, uh, the fifth day of the league year. That's the big one. So they need to, yeah, they, they need to know. Uh, but the thing is, and we'll, we'll talk more about this in the future, this is, this is, in my 21 years to cover the National Football League, this is the worst year to need a quarterback. There's just not enough good ones to go around. It's, it's also not the, probably the worst draft in 21 years in terms of high-level quarterback play. And, yes, in terms of the draft, some of these guys will be better than we think. This always happens. But the word around the league with personnel directors and, and general managers is not a good year to need a quarterback. And that's why not only Watson, we've got to find out what's Russell Wilson. Does the, the, the Seahawks have indicated they want him back. He's under contract. But does he want out? Because remember, he does have a no-trade clause, so that has to happen. And Carson Wentz situation, and with that, with the ESPN report, uh, that they will either trade him or likely, he will, likely won't be on the roster. Either they'll trade him, which will be very difficult to do, or they'll cut him which, and eat the 15 fully guaranteed money that they owe him, which is uh, almost hard to believe that they gave a, a, a one and a three for him and then get rid of him after one season. That's not good. So, Adam, uh, you know, a little bit of big news uh, on the Aaron Rodgers uh, beat this week. You know, first of yeah. all, uh, TMZ and Aaron Rodgers with his uh, personal life, uh, you know, taking a, tw- a turn here. But uh, for uh, for those that don't follow this day-to-day, I mean, he said kind of following that San Francisco game, a decision will be made, uh, you know, by the start of free agency. And obviously that's because it'll have an impact on other guys, on the Packers going forward, all that. Uh, is there any update? Are we just kind of in a holding pattern? Is there anything new with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I'd expect that in the next two to three weeks because he, he doesn't want to hold them hostage. And here's the big story that cannot be under-discussed. You know, this time last year, quite frankly, and then going forward towards the draft, as you know, that's when the story came out from ESPN that Rodgers and the general manager did not get along, and that's, that's an understatement. I mean, Rodgers could not stand him. And now Aaron's gone on record several times to say that uh, they've got a very good relationship, he and Brian Gutekus, the general manager. So that's part of it, them getting on the same page. And, and the other thing is his contract voids after 22, so he only has one year left. And then you've got the Jordan Love situation. Think about this, folks. If you're Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers comes back, we have the same exact situation between Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers when Rodgers sat 05, 06, and 07. Then the Packers traded uh, Favre to the Jets after the 07 season. I can't imagine Jordan Love would be happy with this. I just can't, and he and his agent, if, if Rodgers comes back. Now, think about this. Let's spin this forward here with Aaron Rodgers. Awful, awful end of their season. You know, they're the number one seed. He's the MVP. He and the team lays an, lays an egg, their special teams too, in the, in the uh, second round. Remember, they had the first round bye with the number one seed, and they played terribly at home on offense. I can't imagine this is going to go over well with him. I, I would think he'd want to come back and want to finish off his, his career with the Packers well, If again, if he decides he wants to play. Uh, indications look like that's uh, a decent probability, but again, he has not made his decision, and the Packers are going to do whatever they can to keep him. They've made that very, very clear publicly and privately. Well, uh, we will see if they can get it done. Uh, uh, Adam, now we saw yesterday, we found out that Brian Flores, former head coach yeah. of the Miami Dolphins, that he got a job as the linebackers coach and senior defensive assistant over at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Were you surprised by that? And do you think that that's a good move for him to stay in the game to get another head coaching job? Yeah, you know, I think it is, George. This is a very good question, the way you posed it. Yeah, I would say it is because, although he has to show he can handle the, you know, the lawsuits uh, against the NFL and, and, and several clubs, 
uh, and see how he's going to handle that. When, if if I, I still think that'll settle. I think I don't think the NFL will will go to to let this go any much further because they don't want any discovery to come out about text messages and, and emails and so forth. But it, you know, what's interesting here, and I, I know titles sometimes don't mean what they're really doing. So Terrell Austin is the new defensive coordinator. He was uh, their defensive backs coach. But instead of hiring Flores as a defensive backs coach, they hired him as their third linebackers coach. Yes, he's a senior defensive assistant. That was part of uh, Terrell Austin's uh, previous job. But Brian Flores' expertise is with linebackers, not defensive backs. But they've got two other linebacker coaches who are assistants. So that's kind of weird to me that they did that. I, I think it's more he could do special projects. He could be there as a reference or someone to lean on from, for Terrell Austin. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is interesting. Yeah, I was not expecting that. I don't think anyone was. They, uh, they, knew, they dropped that news on a Saturday. But, hey, they, they got the contract done. And um, we'll see how this works out. This is, this is definitely a surprise to answer your question. I, I don't think anyone was expecting that. Yep, and we, and hopefully it works out well for him. Uh, you guys, he's Adam Kaplan, Fox Sports Radio NFL insider and co-host of Inside the Birds podcasting. Find him on Twitter, at Kaplan NFL. Adam, thanks for coming on the show. All right, guys, thank you. All right, thanks. Uh, you guys, up next, Daddy Dan Beyer is not here, but we, but one but easy as one, two, three, four still continues. And that's next here on Fox Sports Radio. I am George Reister. Oh, but first we have to go to our man, Mr. David Gascon. Tell us what's trending, sir. Guys, uh, seven laps to go. The Daytona 500. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is the leader right now. Uh, Austin Sindrick is one spot behind Brad Kozlowski is running in third, so it's one, two, and three again with seven laps to go. All the actions on Fox and also the Fox Sports app. Fellas are at the break. Purdue leading Rutgers by nine, 45 to 36. Earlier today, Michigan lost at Wisconsin, 77 to 63. Michigan head coach Juwan Howard was caught in a fight through an overhand right to hit some people along the way, and uh, the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference is going to be reviewing that along with what's going on on the Wisconsin and Michigan side. Both sides uh, not agreeing with the unpleasantries there. Providence beat Butler in overtime. Houston double overtime beat Wichita State 76-74. Guys? So, uh, thank you, David. Now, (laughs) Now, we have easiest one, two, three, four. Are you ready to go? I am ready. We got Bursch ready? You ready, Bursch? I am ready. Sam, you're all right. Sam is ready. So, uh, easy as one, two, three, four. If you guys don't know what it is, it's a game where you don't have to get all of the right answers, but you do have to get some of them. Like, for instance, you have to get one of two or two of three or three of four. And um, and uh, what is the over-under today, Mr. Ryan? Well, I'm going to set the over-under at 8.5 today because I'm going to be asking both you, George, and you, Aaron. uh, You guys will collaborate on these answers. Typically, you have three lifelines, George, but because you guys are working together, you'll have two lifelines. Of course, Iowa Sam here and our update anchor, David Gascon. So you guys ready here for the first one? Yes. All right. So we're going to name one of two on this first one. Now, uh, exactly a week ago at this time, Super Bowl 56 was kicking off, which is crazy to think that that was exactly a week ago. Um, of course, Cooper Cup had a huge game in that one, ended up winning Super Bowl MVP, capping off one of the best seasons a receiver could have, where, of course, he won the triple crown of receiving. 
among many of the, the categories that Cooper Cup led the nation in, uh, he tied for the league lead in 40-plus yard receptions with nine. He tied with two other receivers with this uh, this stat. So, guys, name one of two other receivers that had nine receptions of at least 40 yards this season. Ooh. Oh, I, I am going to go with... It's got to be Tariq Hill, right? He's got to be one of them, Aaron. I will say Tariq Hill as well, yes. All right, final answer, Tariq Hill. All right, Sam, is it Tyreek Hill? Whoa! George, you failed me! Oh, oh. man, my, my my only other guess would have been uh, the, the kid from my, Miami, the rookie. Uh, Jalen Waddell? Yeah. No, it was not Jalen Waddell. So the other two answers Devontae are... Adams. Uh, Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Of course. Uh, and of course, those many of those come uh, after the catch because he's fantastic like that. And Mike Williams hitting mm. huge home runs for the Chargers. Oh, the Chargers. the Chargers. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, wow. I uh, wouldn't have gotten either one, one of those. I thought Tariq Hill was an absolute layup. Uh, Tyreek Hill had three. <laughs> three oh. of his 102 uh, catches this season were for that's, at least 40 yards, which is low wild. for him. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's okay. Uh, you, you guys still have plenty that you can uh, nine points to be had still on the board here. We got this. So, guys, uh, last night, as you guys talked about, was the slam dunk contest. Obi Toppin won the crown, uh, beating Anthony Simons in the final. Or excuse me, he lost to Anthony Simons in the final last season, but he was able to come back and win the dunk contest last night. So, guys, four people in the history of the slam dunk contest have won it in back to back years. Name two of the four people who won back-to-back slam dunk contests. Mm. Okay, so Are we now working together, or am I just? No, 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 no. We we we're working together, sir. Well, I know one for sure is Nate Robinson. Oh yes, 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 yes. Nate Robinson did win back-to-back years. I know Michael Jordan. He won back-to-back years, uh, and. Did, did did Jason Richardson when when he was with Golden State did he win back to back years or do you want to go with Zach Oh Zach Levine for sure did B- because because they robbed um uh Aaron Gordon So I'm so, confident in saying Nate Robinson so you pick the other one Michael Jordan I'm 100% confident and Zach Levine I'm 100% confident in All right well first off show me Nate Robinson Yes, in uh, 2009 and 2010. He also won it again, I believe, uh, two years prior to that. He's the only three-time winner of the contest. And uh, show me Michael Jordan. Yes, 1988 and 1989. Uh, For good measure, show me Zach Levine. Yes, 2015 and 2016. That's good. We're back, baby. We're back. George, you also mentioned the fourth one, and that, of course, was show me uh, Jason Richardson. Yeah, wow. 2002 and Do we get four points for that since we got all four? <laughs> uh, no, it's still two points. That's okay. Game's great, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll get one more in here before the break. Now, guys, the Winter Olympics just ended. So let's see how much you guys were paying attention. Five countries won at least 25 medals at the 2022 Winter Olympics. Name three of those five. Okay. Oh, my. Norway, Are you kidding? Norway had the most. I know that. Yep. And I believe U.S. was third. So I feel very confident in those two, George. Okay. 
And there was Germany You're as right. well, b- because I am not going to count the Russian Olympic Committee because uh, because they should not be counted. So I'm going to go with those teams. I, yeah, Norway, I've... Germany, and the U.S. Yes. I must break you. Yeah, Steve DeSager right. said something about all of the sliding events were won by Germany, so I feel good on Germany. First off, uh, Sam, uh, show me Norway. Yes, Norway did have the most most medals overall, 37. Most golds with 16. Show me Germany. Germany uh-oh. came in third with 27 medals. It's the U.S., uh-oh. And lastly, show me the United States of America. That's right. They snuck in there with 25 medals, fifth in the overall medal count. The Russian Olympic Committee had 32 overall medals. They were second, and Canada had 26. Eh. We're not counting the Russian Olympic Committee. We're not. We're not. We're we're not counting. U.S. and A. Greatest country in the world. And of course, if uh, Dan Byer was hosting, uh, you would have had to say Russian Olympic Committee. If you said Russia. There would have been a, a great debate. Ex- exactly, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is what it is. Dan Byer sin- in here. George George Reister. I'm the captain now. It's okay. <laughs> um, but you guys, Unbelievable. We, will- <laughs> we will finish easy as one, two, three, four in just a couple minutes. Right, right now, we have what? Five out of six? Five out of six, right? So we have a chance to finish with a nine out of ten. And that's up next here on Fox Sports Sunday. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, here on Fox Sports Radio, uh, I'm George Reister, and this is... And this is, uh, well, we just finished watching the very end of the, in, I'm sorry, of the Daytona 500. And it was Austin Sendrick who won by a, just a, a, a quarter car length over Bubba Wallace. He won by .03 seconds. I thought Bubba Wallace had won. I was about to scream. And uh, that didn't uh, happen. But, you know, Mm -hmm. 
Such is our life. Well, one thing I will say, you're a man of your word. You open the show by saying that you watch the last five laps every year. And uh, the race. No, no, ju- 20, 25. Okay. And, but but uh, t- today I watched the last like 70. There you go. Yep, Lug nut so, Reister over there. <laughs> yep, yep. Rubbing his, <laughs> rubbing his racing. And that's what happened on the very last lap. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Ah! Oh, but, anyways, we were playing easy as one, two, three, four. And uh, now we got to finish it off. Right now, we have five of six questions answered correctly. And we're going to see if we can finish it off hitting the over of eight and a half. I'm ready. That's right, guys. So here it is, the last one. We were talking about a lot of college basketball earlier on. So, guys, uh, name four of five college basketball teams who have most who have spent the most consecutive weeks in the AP Top 25. This is the the uh, the, the current running track teams in the AP Top 25 that have currently the longest consecutive streaks in the AP Top 25. So wait, wait, for yes. this no, season, this is current. They're the the longest current streaks. So, I'll I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. Uh, they have at least 20 weeks in the top 25 consecutively. They're, these are active streaks. Oh, oh, okay. okay oh, I see okay. what you're saying. I do see what yeah. you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I was c- confused. I was like, I was like uh, Gonzaga <laughs> won, uh, Auburn two. Um, okay. Well, so uh, I, I think you just said one. Gonzaga feels like a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Gonzaga feels like a very safe bet. So does Kansas feels like a very safe bet. Yep. Kansas. Baylor, um, maybe? Baylor's been in there a long time. They've been in there a nice long time. I would say, am I allowed to just look at the current top 25 just so I can get some context? You could say no. Could or say maybe no. I would go, How has has Illinois been in all year this year? I actually think they fell out. They started about 3-3. Three and three. How about Villanova? Villanova feels like a smart bet. Okay. So those so, are three. I feel uh, confident in those three. And remember, you guys do have two lifelines if you wanted Ooh. to bring in one of these guys to, to, to yeah. bounce some ideas off. David of Gascon, well. he is yes. a college basketball analyst. You for I saw you in Boise the other day, David Gascon. I was hanging out there for a little while. Doing some fishing, I saw. <laughs> um, trying to think, members of the SEC. Um, not Kentucky, because they were out last yeah, year. Yeah, not Alabama, not Florida. Um, I don't think Tennessee either. Not Michigan State out of the Big Ten. Ohio State? Uh, they're probably right on the cusp. No, they've, they they definitely have had some, some downturns. I would say... What about Southern Cal? Uh, um, they were in pretty much all... No, they fell out for a second last year, I think. Uh, or the year before. Uh, yeah, that, that's actually not a terrible guess. I would guess. So we said what? Gonzaga, Kansas, Villanova feel pretty good. I yeah. I would say Baylor because Baylor, oh, I, yeah, Baylor, yeah, sure. Baylor I know has been in the last yeah. three seasons every single week. Okay, so uh, Iowa Sam, do you have anything to add to the conversation? <sighs> you know, Villanova. I feel like didn't they hit like a, a rough stretch last year and might have fallen out. I, I would go with Villanova. Um, man, adding another. We need one more, right? No, I think we have four. Yeah, we need five or four. Four, four. Okay, four. I, th- of the I think five. you guys have a solid four right there. Yeah. Okay. the The only other team that I would even consider would be Houston. Ooh, but, that's pretty good too. I'd stick with those four, but Houston would, is not a bad guess. Okay, so we'll go Gonzaga, 
Kansas, Baylor, and do you want to go? I'll let you choose Villanova or Houston. Not Duke. No, no Duke fell out. Must have fallen out last year at some point. Yep. I'll uh, say so I'd go Nova over Houston personally. Yeah, I go Nova too. Okay, and Villanova. All right. First off, here, show me Gonzaga. That's right. Yeah, 110 straight points. Wow. 110 weeks in the AP Top 25. Show me Villanova. Yes, they are second on the list with 55 straight. Okay, cool. That makes me feel a little bit bit better. Show me Kansas. Yes, Kansas, just barely. uh, 20 straight weeks for Kansas. They're number five on this list. And lastly, to make it nine out of ten, to hit that over, show me Baylor. That's Yeah! Take that, Dan Byer. Yes. Baylor comes in third, uh, 52 straight weeks. And for good measure, guys, yes, Houston, number four on that list, 41 straight weeks. So there you go. You guys actually hit all of the top wow, five. Wow, wow. When's the last time Dan Byer got nine out of ten? Or eight out no, of nine? No, no, no. He, he, he's the one always answering the questions, and I usually win. Gotcha. You get ten out of ten every week, right? No, 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 no. But I usually do hit the hit the over, though. It's it's tough for me not to hit the over. Um, but you guys, up next, though, uh, we have the the um, the Daytona 500 just ended. We'll talk about that. But also, college football made a decision this week that will impact till 2026. And that's up next here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Yeah, the Daytona 500 just finished and it was a photo finish sure was baby man and and it's funny because you know how you get into something even though you're not really into it i can tell you are yeah well look look, listen to be perfectly honest i i don't exactly uh you know watch every single nascar race but i have gotten more and more into NASCAR. And I know that a lot of people um, <clears throat> that were former NASCAR fans and may- maybe still NASCAR fans were upset at some of the things that NASCAR has done to make the sport more inclusive, which was ban ban the Confederate flags. They have been, you know, uh, ma- making sure that they are trying to get more presence in minority communities and and people who typically don't support racing they brought a race out here to LA in the Coliseum it was a you know essentially just just for money but it was good exposure and Aaron I love what NASCAR has been doing I love the fact that I just wanted Bubba Wallace to win the Daytona 500 lost in a photo finish but I love what NASCAR has been doing because for sports to grow, it can't just be a a niche to a region, a niche to a race or a niche to anything like that. But to make people who didn't traditionally grow up watching NASCAR or felt like it was one of their possible life paths or or fandom paths, 
to get embraced by those communities is I think the right thing for the sport. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't know if this was a planned segue to what we want to talk about this segment, but it's kind of a perfect segue in terms of how to grow a sport that maybe is very regional right now, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so did you grow up a NASCAR fan? No, of course not. I grew up in Connecticut, although Joey Lugano is from Connecticut, but I did not grow up a NASCAR fan. So in the last five, ten, ten years, have you become more interested in that NASCAR or the people around you become more interested in NASCAR? Uh, no, I cannot say yes to either. What I can say, though, is I have been to a NASCAR race, and admittedly, uh, I was kind of in one of the boxes with some, uh, you know, some beverages, but it was one of the more fun sporting events I've ever been to. It's a great in-person experience, I can tell you that. Yeah, and one of the things that, that has definitely happened is, is, uh, is a lot of the black people that I know that they have been more interested in that NASCAR, haven't fully bought in yet. And also another thing that's coming up big is, is, is F1. There was a, there's a, uh, like an F1 documentary or follow series on Netflix that's doing really, really, really well. And that's actually gotten me like, hold up, this F1 thing is kind of dope. I, <laughs> that was good, Sam. I, I haven't seen that. Everybody swears by it, but I have not seen the uh, F1 thing. Yeah, it's it, it's not gonna because me and you are diehard, you know, college football, basketball fans. So it's not going NFL fans. So it's not gonna change our fandom, but it can you know suck up some more of our time, especially during the the dead periods of baseball and stuff like that. The way then we can end up uh, getting in more fights with our significant love loved ones about how we divvy up our time. But um, we we have a bunch of months off from one of the biggest sports, and that's college football. And we found out this week that the college football playoff will be staying at four until 2026. And when that, which it will likely expand at that point in time because it needed unanimous approval. Are you surprised that the decision makers in college football could not come to an agreement about something that was going to make the sport more money, uh, more, more, more popular and all sorts of other things? I'm not surprised only because the tea leaves had been pointing for about seven or eight months since really, frankly, Oklahoma and Texas announced they were leaving the Big 12 and ultimately for the SEC. Uh, it, it felt like they were pretty close to the finish line before that. And then since then, it feels like there's been a lot of back and forth publicly. And so what I would say is I am not surprised because it felt like over the last few months there was a lot of animosity within the powers that be uh, within the powers that be in college football. Yeah, because the original 12 team proposal was come up with uh, by the ACC commissioner, the SEC commissioner, Big 12 commissioner, and then the uh, Jack Swarbick from the... Um, from Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. Yeah. and and um, and I thought that you were going to have the uh, the Big Twelve commissioner. I knew that he was going to be big time upset when <laughs> when he found out that his team that that Texas and Oklahoma were going to leave the Big Twelve and go to the SEC after they had spent time 
go uh, developing a 12-team playoff, I thought that that was going to go go over about as well as a root canal. Well, and that's to me why it happened was why why we don't have an a co- expanded college football playoff. Excuse me, is it felt like last year when just those four guys were meeting. Uh, that we were pretty close, and there were still some details to be ironed out. But if you remember, uh, George, and I know you remember, but I'm talking more of the audience, um, you know, there was a narrative that, like, they had looked at, like, 40 different proposals or something like that, and they seemed to really like this one that involved, uh, you know, a 12-team playoff, this and that. And then when the SEC announced that Oklahoma and Texas were coming to the SEC, I think two things happened. I think, one, uh, everybody kind of looked at it and said, um, you know, if if Greg Sankey can basically be working with a guy uh, on a playoff expansion while also stabbing him in the back <laughs> and taking his teams, um, one, you know, what is, what is the ulterior motive? And 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 frankly, yeah, and is this twelve team playoff actually a good thing? Because you're like, no, 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 he's voting for it. Of course, he's voting for it. But but why though? Exactly. And then the other thing I was going to say, too, was I think it just made everybody else more aware of like, hey, we probably need a seat at the, at this table. And so all of a sudden now the Big Ten's involved, all of a sudden the ACC's involved, the Pac-12. And George, we've all worked in situations where the more people you get involved in a big decision, the less likely it is to happen because you got more cooks in the kitchen, more people that want their input involved. And so that 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 is why, to answer your question, no, I am not surprised it didn't get done. Um, I think it would have gotten done if Texas and Oklahoma never leave for the SEC. Uh, I do think it probably does get done, but now they didn't. And now, as you said, it's going to be at least another four years before we get a college football playoff expansion. Yeah, see, I thought that this was bad for the sport for it not to get done. And it was ironic that I ended up on my show um talking to Josh Josh Pate, who is a big-time college football analyst over at CBS Sports. And and he was oh my god, he was just so happy. And I mean, it was literally moments before the interview started that this news was announced. And he's a stay at four guy. He's like, oh man, let's keep the sanctity of the season, the regular season. It matters so much. And my whole thing is the regular season will actually matter even more. It is that is that except for teams who get one loss, Aaron, that they're not going to then pack it in for the season and guys aren't going to be like, oh, woe is me, the season's over. No, you're actually going to still have a chance and then have a chance to win your conference. So as the games get later on in the season, the magnitude is only going to continue to grow. And then the more teams that you keep engaged, that means coaches can't leave because if you're one of the 12 teams in the playoff, you will be an absolute assassinated character-wise if you leave a team in the playoff. Uh, player movement will slow down a little bit. I think that all of this adds so many benefits to the sport, Aaron, just by expanding the playoff field. So I, I actually disagree on some of it, and I some of it, and, and I talked a lot about this last night. Is I don't think that the expanding the college football playoff fixes a lot of the fundamental problems that people think it will fix, and and one of them is. Um, you know, maybe there's a few more regular season games that matter, but I don't think like I. There's one narrative that I I, I kind of laugh at is this idea that you know, well, you know, if 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 we expand the playoff, 
Um, think about all the teams. They, uh, you know, all the teams that didn't make the playoff. They can now say they're a playoff team, and they're this and they're that and they're whatever. And so the example that I use, George, is so think about this year, right? There's a couple teams that I think, by any tangible measurement, exceeded expectations and. Like their fan base is over the moon, right? Michigan State is one. Mel Tucker, year two, 10 wins, go to the Peach Bowl, whatever. And you can say, oh, the Peach Bowl doesn't matter, it's irrelevant. Same with Ole Miss. They go to the Sugar Bowl, 10 win season, first time in school history, first time they have 10 wins in the regular season. And what I was saying last night was think about being an Ole Miss fan right now. Do you feel better about your program if you don't go to the playoff because there's only four teams? You win 10 games, you go to the Sugar Bowl, you have a couple fun days in New Orleans. Um, and then you get to go home afterward and you lose, but you know, Matt Corral gets hurt, whatever. Or do you feel better if you go to the playoff as the nine seed, maybe you win a game and then you get destroyed by Alabama. And so to me, that's where I get, I I laugh about some of this stuff is I just don't think this idea that everyone's just going to, it allows more teams to get in and more teams are happy. And uh, we all watch college football. We all follow college football. Uh, fans are not happy unless they're holding that trophy up at the end of the year. And so this idea, mm. you, you know what I mean? Like this idea. Well, go see, ahead. Go ahead. See, I, I, I agree with your point in principle, right? But, but, but I think it's a little bit short-sighted in the fact that, okay, in that teams that have made the playoffs, pretty much the same teams make the playoffs every single year. And then that actually plays into recruiting a little bit more because because that's who finishes at the top of the recruiting pile every year because they can say, listen, we go to the playoffs. We're only one of f- five, six places that you can actually make the playoffs at. Now, but is the kid going to choose ho- Ole Miss? If, they, if, if oh. Ole Miss goes to the playoff and gets destroyed by Alabama – is any five star? You you play George. You're yeah, a five star. See, so somebody's gonna be like, oh, okay, I I can go to that school that just won by forty, or I can go to that school that lost by forty, but they made the playoff. No, hold were- hold on. Here's the here here's the thing: is that it's not an immediate I- impact because a lot of the thing that sells kids is playing time, all of this stuff, and then and then you're gonna have some kids who are lured by the idea of being able to do something different. So now. So now the idea, so like if you're Ole Miss, I, actually we'll take Texas A&M because they, they just finished at the top of the pile in, um, in the recruiting rankings. So now if, if Texas A&M doesn't make the playoffs, right, because Alabama keeps going, then that is going to, that diminishes some of the hope that Texas A&M can sell. Now imagine if Texas A&M makes the playoffs as a nine or 10, 10 seed. Now Jimbo can go out and recruit and say, listen, we're only a couple players away from being able to knock off at Alabama. So now those are players, even if it's only one or two players that don't go to Alabama or Georgia and they go to Oklahoma, they go to USC, they go to Oregon, they go to uh, Clemson, where, where, wherever else. Cause it, because it's not going to, flip recruiting rankings on its on its head but it can make the difference for for like four or five kids a year that choose to go to other schools that then take away from some of that depth at Alabama or or at Georgia and then that it's actually a four to five year process that you would actually see some some change 
in in who wins. It's not an immediate impact, but I do think that you can convince kids over three, four, five years, and then when they get to be juniors and seniors, then you're going to be able to have that big change or some of the upsets that don't happen in the college football playoff. Well, and that's 100% fair. And that's 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 the only real counter to my argument is, yeah, if you can consistently get in and then you just slowly build upon it, slowly build upon it, I guess my thing is, does do coaches really get that time in college football? Now, sometimes they do, right? So I was thinking about this, like, Take a program like Penn State. Uh, James Franklin, for several years, had 9, 10, 11 win seasons, and he would have made the playoff under the 12-team playoff. By the way, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, we criticized him up and down up until this year, never beating Ohio State. He would have made the playoff at some point uh, early in his career. So maybe if you make it two, three years in a row, and even if it is, as you said, only one, two, three guys that you can maybe get that you wouldn't have otherwise, but I just think it it, it would take longer than people think. And I just, yeah. what, what I would say is... I, I just don't think it's this be-all, end-all problem solver for everything uh, that everybody no. says it is. But yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I don't think it's a, it's a that it's going to solve all the ills of college football. But, but, I, but I do think that some of the things will be quelled, like the the Lincoln Riley move, the uh, the Brian Kelly move. Now, do those things happen in a, in an eighteen playoff or even a twelve team playoff? Like, do 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 they still move knowing that they're playing for a national championship? So what I would say is probably not. But at the same time, we do have to remember that Brian Kelly, that you know, that Notre Dame had a path to the playoff this Correct. year. Brian Kelly knew that he didn't have a shot. So it's tough because, it, and it's kind of the same on the opposite perspective too. Because people would say, "Oh, it, it'll help. It'll help coaches keep jobs." And I don't agree with that. I think if you're the uh, if you're filling the blank SEC school and you make it in as the 11 or 12 seed, and it's the and you're not anywhere close to a championship, and you're in year four, year five, year six, I don't even think winning the play, uh, making the playoff in a 12 team scenario keeps you from uh, from keeping your job. So I think that's both those sides of that argument are interesting to me. Does it keep coaches where they are? Uh, but then also, does it keep you from firing coaches? And I don't know that I believe that it will. Oh, oh, I definitely don't don't think it's going to keep coaches from from getting fired because coaches who are close to making the playoffs or make or making the playoffs like top top 10 coaches don't get fired. I mean, like, I mean, can we can, can we agree on that, Aaron, that top 10 coaches do not get fired? Uh, but you guys up next, though, <laughs> we have a, still a lot to talk about because the Michigan Wolverines. Ended up their head coach, Jawan Howard, ended up in an incident with a Wisconsin assistant coach. And we'll talk about that up next here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. 
Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here on Fox Sports Radio, so much to talk about. Still got to give a shout out to Dudley Rutherford today um, as well. Um, but today, Aaron, we saw the Michigan Wolverines playing against the Wisconsin Badgers in men's college basketball. And they're, and the head coach of Michigan is Jawan Howard, longtime NBA player, well-respected guy. And after the game, he ended up getting in an incident with the Wisconsin Badgers head uh, assistant coach. And it all started when they were doing the shake hands line. And but this circled back to prior to what happened during the game. Wisconsin was apparently upset that he was pressing still at the end of the game, even though the game was pretty much decided. And then Wisconsin called a timeout with 15 seconds left to just kind of rub it in and be upset. So then it looks like Jawan Howard is just trying to walk by the coach. Coach grabs Jawan Howard. Jawan didn't respond to that well at all. Then the uh, the players and coaches kind of gather around each other. There's some pushing and shoving. And then here comes another coach saying something to Juwan. And Juwan, open hand, hit him in the side of the head. And here is what it – yes, it was it was bad. Uh, but nobody failed. There, there, there was nobody actually hurt in the situation. It, at least it didn't appear. But here is what it sounded like from the Wisconsin play-by-play people. We've got a dust-up right now. Jawan Howard and Greg Gard were going nose-to-nose, and now we got a problem. we got pushing and shoving. we got a lot of chirping. we got a wrestling match going on. And Jacoby Neath being pulled away by Carter Higginbottom. Adam Smith, graduate assistant for the Wisconsin Badgers, pushing off a couple of players. Yeah, there were some punches thrown in there. Has it got nasty there in the end? And everybody being separated, you got to be really careful here. Tyler Wall getting guys away. You got to be careful here. Richard, big fella, getting out there. He's telling his guys, get off the floor. Good job, uh, Richard. Good job, big fella. Yeah, it was an ugly scene, um, and it was it was Jawan Howard getting into it. The the person that he hit was assistant coach Joe Krabenhoff and um and here is what was talked about after the game about the incident that happened I didn't like the timeout being called and I'll be totally honest with you um I thought it was uh, you know not necessary at that moment um, especially being a large lead um and then for have the timeout um to be called with three seconds or four seconds ago 
Um, you know, I thought that that was, you know, what I felt wasn't fair to our guys. And so that's, that's what happened. And that was Jawan Howard explaining his side of things. Now, there's going to be some adjudication to this, Aaron. And now that we're a little bit further away from it and you've had a chance to watch it a few times, there have been a, pe- a lot of people, well, not necessarily a lot, but there have been a portion of people that have been calling for Jawan Howard to be fired. Are, are you in that camp? No, I'm not in that camp. I mean, you know, my stance on all of this, and I, I don't want to use different extent. Basically, I, I, I don't think people should be fired for one moment, one action, one sentence, one word. That's just not what I believe. And this is an extreme example, and I'm not comparing them apples to apples, but when Ray Rice was let go, you know, when Ray Rice, when that situation happened, um, you know, once once it played itself out in the legal system, I felt like, okay, if an NFL team wants to sign him, he should have the he should be allowed to work. And I know it's not apples to apples, and I'm not comparing one to the other, but it's the same with Juwan Howard is is um what he did was inexcusable. He needs to be punished, he needs to be held accountable for his actions. We don't have to act as though nothing happened. But I don't believe that he should lose his entire livelihood. And I know he's an NBA player and he has plenty of money and it's not about the money and whatever. But I, I just I, I don't I know everybody and you and I talked about this in hour one. People can go back and listen to the podcast. But like I I know everybody in a moment needs to have the biggest, boldest, strongest, most immediate reaction that they can possibly have. Mine is simply what he did was embarrassing. It's unacceptable. By the way, Greg Gard grabbing him and holding on to him is in a weird way not cool either. Um, but you can't take a swing at somebody, and he should be punished by the conference, by the school. But I don't believe that this should result in his termination. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with the a suspension is is warranted, and a but a firing that would go too far. And we already heard what Jawan Howard had to say about the situation, but here is what Coach Gard had to say uh, about taking the time out at the end. And he came up to me and pulled his max max down and said, I'll remember that. And he started pointing at me and tapped me in the chest. And I said, hold on. Let me explain to you why I took the time out. Maybe he doesn't know the rule that you get the 10 seconds reset. I wasn't going to put my players in that type of situation and have to break a press in four seconds, come and stiff and cold off the bench. I wouldn't do that for a regular group. I can take a time out. That's... Um, it gives my players the best chance to have success. So that's where it started that he said, I'll remember that, I'll remember that. And I said, hey, let me tell you why I did what I did. And he didn't want any part of that and kept moving on. So That's actually not what happened. Like, I was watching the video as he was explaining it. Now, granted, I know it's the heat of the moment and people sometimes don't realize, but Jawan did not pull down his mask until like so 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 the first thing is guard is walking down and well Jawan pulled his mask away from his face but kept it on his face and that's apparently when he said I will remember this because he wanted to make but he didn't pull it down and then that's when guard grabbed him uh and and guard grabbed him with two hands around his like rib cage area and then that's when everything kind of escalated from uh, there. And Jawan grabbed him, grabbed his shirt, and then let go of his shirt. And then he pulled his mask down. And then that's when things a- escalated, uh, where the assistant coach ended up hit. So 
that that's the actual version of it uh, from from both coaches. But I do think that Juwan Howard's explanation of he was defending himself. I think that that's I think that that's uh, uh, outrageous as well as guards. Well, and the other thing, too, is it goes back to what we talked about and how you set up the, the whole conversation, George, is he said that he didn't think a timeout at that point was appropriate, but he was still full court pressing with under 10 seconds left. And what Greg Gard said was exactly right, or not exactly right, but it, it makes sense is that um, you know, uh, if he called a timeout, it resets the clock. It allows uh, him to kind of just get his walk-ons who have never been in this situation before organized. And that's the unfortunate part, right? Like, like I think when something like this happens, we've always got to turn it into good guy versus bad guy. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's this? Who's that? And so, like, even when Greg Gard grabs Juwan Howard, right, we can agree that Juwan Howard shouldn't have taken a swing, but Greg Gard shouldn't grab him either. But I think what Greg Gard was trying to say was like, dude, don't be mad about the timeout. This is why I took the timeout. Let me explain it. Listen, I don't believe that either. I, I, I think that Greg Gard had a good explanation for it but i also b- believe that he took the time out to rub it in as well um but but we will finish this conversation in just a couple of minutes you guys keep it locked here but first we have to find out what's trending from our man mr david gascon guys purdue's gonna win this thing against Rutgers, 76 to 62 there's 346 to play in regulation purdue this season's going to improve to 24 and 4 on the year and 13 and 4 in conference play Rutgers will suffer their 10th defeat of the campaign. Meanwhile, Providence won today at Butler. Houston won at Wichita State and Wisconsin. Prevailed over Michigan 77-63. The postgame festivities, of course, with Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard and Greg Gard were going nose-to-nose, and now we got a problem. We got pushing and shoving. We got a lot of chirping. We got a wrestling match going on. Adam Smith, graduate assistant for the Wisconsin Badgers, pushing off a couple of players. Is it got nasty there in the end? It certainly did, but nevertheless, Wisconsin wins by 14. Meanwhile, on the ice, Carolina wins in Pittsburgh tonight. Montreal 3-2 in a shootout. Florida Panthers continue to win. They beat the Blackhawks 5-2. Rangers 2-1 winners over the Ottawa Senators. And then you got the Blackhawks, I mean the Blue Jackets and Sabres right now. Columbus leading 4-2 over Buffalo. NASCAR Daytona 500 today came to a close. Here they come. Sendrick trying to squeeze Blaney into the fence. And at age 23, Austin Sendrick has scored the Daytona 500 win. Dude's not going to sleep at all tonight, so that'll be fun for him. Guys, uh, back to you. Yeah, I wouldn't sleep at night either if I want the Daytona 500. Uh, but to put a bow on what happened with Michigan and with Wisconsin, I it, it's it's funny, right, Aaron? When when you think about life, it's it, it's like even good people do bad things. Some sometimes yes. they lose their cool, lose lose their temper. It's it, it's one of those why I don't get too upset with people when they make you know, traffic errors driving because I'm like, yo, you don't know how bad a person, how bad a day this person had, what's, what's going on in their, in their life with their family and all of this stuff. And so I try to be very forgiving in that way. And sometimes like, if you look at Michigan who is underachieving for this year, how much do you think that that played into kind of how this, thing escalated 
I've uh, you know, I've heard a couple people kind of suggest that, and I think there's something to it, right? Is that um, one, not excusing it, um, and two, but but two, I do think it's been a frustrating year. We talked about it to open the show. Uh, Michigan was a top 15 team in the preseason polls. Uh, they are right now trending not to be an NCAA tournament team. I think it's also kind of worth noting that. Um, you know, this is really kind of the first real adversity Juwan Howard has faced as a head coach. Um, last, you know, year one, gets, the tournament gets canceled by COVID, but they would have made the tournament if there had been one. Um, year, last year, obviously, they win the Big Ten regular season. They get a number one seed. They make the Elite Eight. So this is the first year that I think there's real kind of turmoil, if you want to call it that, uh, within the Michigan basketball program. And so I think he was frustrated. I think if he had to do it over, whether he'd say it publicly or not, he wouldn't have been pressing at that time in the game. Um, and I think all of it plays into it. And, and that's what is unfortunate about a situation like this is like I said a minute ago is that when something happens it immediately becomes into everybody has to have an opinion somebody has to be a hundred percent right somebody has to be a hundred percent wrong somebody has to be to blame somebody has to be the victim and that's not really how life works usually there's context usually there's nuance I bet if you got Greg Gard and Juwan Howard in a room by themselves where they're not trying to uh, make <laughs> I don't excuse- know if that's a good idea right now well you know I mean and sick whatever I think they would both say that there are things that they could have done different. For and, sure. And so that, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's it's a frustrating reality of, of where society is, is that, again, um, everybody, again, everybody, there has to be a right and wrong and this and that. And it's just like... Uh, you know, can we say that Juwan Howard shouldn't have swung at him? Should can we say that Greg Gard shouldn't have grabbed him? Because listen, we could say like when I when I say uh, Greg Gard shouldn't have grabbed him, somebody will say that's not an excuse to hit him, and it's like no, it's not. But what is your natural reaction when somebody grabs you? It's to pull away. Doesn't matter if it's uh, you're six years old in the schoolyard or if you're a 30, 40 year old grown man. And so, you know, it, again, it, it, that's the frustrating part about well, all this. I- I think it's important to understand because people don't like nuance. They don't like to actually have a realistic talk about things. They say you should never do that. Agreed. But but the reality is is that there are certain things that happen in life that that escalate situ- that escalate situations to where like we've seen in incidents where where somebody is mad about one particular thing and then somebody trips and falls and bumps into them and then all of a sudden that as that turns into a melee and you're just like and it was an unintended consequence sure but you understand how that person in that moment thought something else was going on and i think that that it speaks to a few things number one we in general have to you know try to de-escalate situations first first and foremost and then second of all we just have to be willing to give people grace in situations because the expectation whether it's this situ situation or any other situation like when like when people on television when they when they misspeak especially you know opinionists or me and you Aaron where we do hours upon hours of radio and podcasts every single week, you know, 20, mm-hmm. 30 hours of podcasting or radio every single week. And you're just like, yes, sometimes I may miss misspeak because it's inevitable. If you do this much and people don't want to have grace for that and they expect perfection. A thousand percent, man, a thousand percent. And that's what the frustrating part about all this is, is that, um, 
nothing is perfect. And again, it goes back to what I said. I know it's not what people want to hear. I know it's not what some people even believe. I think if they both had to do it over, they would do it different. And and like to me, I I still go back to I don't think we can just dismiss the fact that Juwan Howard was trying to walk by and Greg Gard grabbed him. Like again, I'm not saying it's okay to swing at somebody, whether it was a punch, whether it was a slap, whether it was something in between. Who cares? But don't grab a guy on the way over. I mean, I I don't even want to try to compare examples to this to that. So, But what I am saying is, to go back to the most basic part of this, yes, I believe Juwan Howard deserves a suspension. Yes, I believe, I believe he deserves a lengthy suspension. I don't think he should be fired. I don't think anybody should be defined by their worst moment. This was certainly at least professionally uh, you know, Juwan Howard's worst moment as a college basketball coach. I think we all move on. I, I, I think he should be allowed to coach. I don't think we should take his livelihood. Um and hopefully that's how it goes down. We'll see. What I will say is, you know, Michigan released a statement not that long ago. It made it sound very much like they're going to wait to see what the Big Ten does, and then they may add on to it. But it doesn't appear as though Michigan is going to be ready to fire him if need be. Yeah, that, dude, dude, the um, the idea that, that we just, like, that's always everybody's solution. We got to fire somebody. Yeah. Let's fire Cancel. somebody. That'll that'll fix it. I mean, even even with the Lakers, people were like, "Oh yeah, let's let's fire Frank Vogel." What is firing Frank Vogel in the middle of the season with this roster Thank going you. to do? I'm is, is 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 that going to make Russell Westbrook play better? Is it going to keep Anthony Davis healthy? Is it going to make uh you know T- Taylor Horton Tucker uh back back into the guy we thought he was last last <laughs> season? I mean, that's that's the odd part is that people think, especially with professional teams, that oh, fire fire the offensive coordinator. Like, how does that how does that work? That like, do, do you think that it's going to put in a new system in the middle of the season? No, come on, man. By the uh, way, but- real quick, can I just say one thing? I know we got to get to break. Um, I loved your Joe Burrow. Can we calm the you know what down thing? I don't know if we're probably going to run out of time to yes. talk about that. But I have been so exhausted by like, I get it. He's cool. He smokes some cigars. It's fun. It's fun. He's not, he's not that that they were in the Super Bowl because of the defense, and they were in the like <laughs> anyway. So yeah. I, I know we so, got other stuff to talk about. But I, 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 no, no, I no, 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 no. That is it right there, you guys. Why Joe Burrow is not the future of the NFL for sure. Up next here on Fox Sports Sunday, I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. 
and I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here on Fox Sports Sunday, I'm George Reister with Aaron Torres. And Aaron, before the break, brought something up, and I'm so happy he did. Well, you oh brought my it up God. with Adam Kaplan earlier, and I forgot to comment both of you for your football genius. But continue, continue, I digress. Dude, for up leading up to the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, people have lost their damn mind. Oh, my God. Joe Burrow's the greatest quarterback ever. He's the best since Tom Brady. This He's the best in the AFC. Dude, stop it. Stop with that stupid mess. It is not true. He's not even the best quarterback in his draft class. Justin Herbert is. Like, we need to stop. His team made it to the Super Bowl. And and he didn't even play great in the playoffs. I agree. He played okay. Dude, if if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have what could be one of his worst halves of his entire career, then then they lose. If the Raiders, well, if the officials actually get the call technically right against the Raiders, they may not win. Like, let's just stop. I, Aaron, you you brought it up, and I'm thanking you because we need to stop with the hyperbole and being a prisoner of the moment and not even realizing that we're not even seeing the actual truth. Well, and it's so funny. Like, I, I think that in our business um – I'll be honest. I think that there's a lot of people in our business that just frankly aren't very smart. um, And somebody says something and they hold on to it or they run with it, even if that's not kind of common sense. And so I think what has happened is a few things is one, the Joe Burrow narrative is really cool. Like I will readily admit that like it's a cool narrative is this guy like, uh, you know, smokes cigars and he won this big game and look, he brought his buddy Jamar Chase and now they're awesome together and they were great in college and now they're great together here in the pros. And so it's one of those things where I think people in our business are like, oh, this is a cool story. Let me run with it. But then again, it almost goes back to what we were talking about with Juwan Howard. Everybody's got to be bigger, bolder, stronger. We have to have a stronger opinion. We can't, it can't just be, oh, he's really young and he's really talented and he's done a lot for the Bengals. It's, well, is he the best quarterback in the AFC? Is he the best quarterback in the world? I heard some people say, <laughs> if he wins the Super Bowl, you have to call him the best quarterback in football. No, I don't. No, you don't. There's a guy that just retired that isn't even going to play next year that I would take in a heartbeat. I would take Tom Brady right off the beach before I'd take Joe Burrow. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where everybody's got to be, have the take. Like, by the way, I'll say this. I thought it was the same with Matthew Stafford. I thought he was fine. I thought Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup won them that Super Bowl. Thank you. And so, so, and then I, you know, I, you know, I, I watch the game. I have fun. I go to bed. I wake up, and it's is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? It's like, where? When, no, he's not a Hall well, of my, Famer. My whole thing. When did never we, been All Pro. One Pro Bowl, never led the league dude, at anything. What we go from, we go from, you know, we go from if Cooper Cup doesn't convert that fourth down, he's the biggest failure ever, and he didn't do what he was brought to do, and he's no different than Jared Goff. That's where we would have been. If Cooper Cup does not pick up that fourth down, it would have been like the Matthew Stafford experiment was a bust. 
Jared Goff got him to a Super Bowl just like Matthew Stafford did. Well, Cooper Cup converts that play. Rams win the Super Bowl. Not to say that J- uh, Matthew Stafford didn't make many great plays during that that drive down the stretch there. But it's like, and then it goes from that to all of a sudden, is he a Hall of Famer? It's just, it's exhausting, man. It is crazy, and it is exhausting. You are 100% right. Exhausting. Thank you. Just, just says it all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because the the hyperbole is on absolute max. Uh, but you guys, we've had so much to talk about today. We we talked about Brian Flores getting a new job, uh, and 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 your final thoughts on that, Aaron, about him getting a job with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, without being a legal expert, I don't think it probably helps his lawsuit. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, listen, I want him to work. He's a good, qualified football coach, and he's going to be or he should be a head coach. Uh, like I told you the other day, I was just a tiny bit surprised. I didn't know that he would take a position uh, job, but I think he's going to be really good. I think it'll be good for him to learn from Mike Tomlin. I think he's going to have a future, uh, successful future uh, as a head coach in, the, in you know sometime in the next couple of years. Yep, and uh, it was great joining you guys you. today, Aaron. And Aaron, great job today. Uh, if you guys missed anything, go back on the Fox Sports Radio podcast, wherever podcasts are found, on, and especially on the iHeart app. I'm George Reister. He's Aaron Torres. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Catch you next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.